Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. Uh, this week, um, some of you guys know, but uh, my wife and I closed on our first house. Yeah, we are now first-time home buyers, and uh, boy, that was, that was one of the most scary things that you could ever go through, is just buying a home and not knowing anything about it. But uh, just kind of to, to talk about that, I've been holding something tight to the vest for a while. Um, I didn't want to kind of like process uh, this with anybody, but um, when we were going through this process of buying a home, uh, there's just that, um, there was just this deep peace that the Lord was just on it. And I don't know if anyone's ever walked through just a big purchase like that, but it was like, there was a transition for me uh, for a while now of just, what does it mean for God to be my provider? You know, and I think um, my upbringing, um, at least in the way that I understood things, was I do things for God, and I feel bad if God does things for me. And then... I grew up and became a Pentecostal, and it became the opposite in the sense of, and I don't mean all Pentecostals, I'm not trying to, you know, dog any of them, but I came part of this Word of Faith movement where it was like, I decree and I declare that I'm going to receive these things, and it became this, God is now my genie, that if I just say something out loud into the ether, God will return it back to me. And in this process of working through theology and working through uh, just reorienting my heart back to the Lord, I've had to wrestle with a lot of tensions of how do I ask God for things without it being something of a demand. And I've got into this space where I've begun to uh, pray the Lord's Prayer four times a day and just really seek the Lord. And there's that segment where, you know, you go from our Father, it's worship, to your kingdom come, it's outreach, it's God's kingdom breaking in, to uh, provide our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And I sit there, I'm like, okay, God wants me to ask of things. He wants me to prioritize his heart, but he also wants me to ask because there's a relationship that I have with him that he wants to give. And so there's just been this transition of the Lord changing my heart. And all this time, this whole process, my wife is stressing out, like, are we going to get the place? Is it going to fall through? Is our credit going to be enough? Is all these things. And it's just been this abiding piece of, no, the Lord's providing us a home. The Lord's doing something for us. There's something deep. And I just want to share that with you as a testimony, but also to say, as people of the Scripture and as people of the Spirit, there is a tension. And we can experience God's blessing as we're pursuing him. And I'm, I'm overjoyed in this. This is kind of just off the cuff, 
has nothing to do with my topic. Absolutely nothing to do with my topic. I'm not talking on giving or teaching on anything like that. So let's get to my topic, huh? So let's go to Luke chapter six. I'm continuing, obviously, in our series on Luke that we've been in for two years, and probably the next two, three years, we'll be here. Sorry, I apologize, but uh, you'll love it anyway. Let's move to Luke chapter six, and I'm only gonna do two verses tonight, so we will be here for a decade. All right. Do not judge others, and, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So Father, I thank you, I honor you. Come Holy Spirit, would you fill this room? Would you anoint me as the speaker? Would you anoint them as the hearers? And would you impart to us wisdom and knowledge tonight? In Jesus' name. Does anybody have that relative or that friend or maybe an acquaintance that every time you talk to them, you feel judged and icky? Everybody's got that, right? It's like that one guy that you're like, okay, I don't want to tell them any of my problems because they're going to like give me that look. And you're like, oh God, please don't give me that look. I don't want that look from you. That's horrible. Now, is there anybody in that room that you're that guy? (laughs) it's it's that funny tension because like um the world has a way of looking at christians and thinking that this is what we are that that's all we do is that we just judge people for the condition they're in and they have this mindset of don't judge me don't judge me the scripture right here this one right here says do not judge You cannot judge me, Jesus said it. You can't do it. And I'm here to tell you, this is the most misinterpreted scripture in our lifetime. This is the most misappropriated text. And there's two sides to this coin. There's the people over here that I just kind of mentioned, which is, do not judge me. You, Christian, you're not to judge anything that I do. Jesus said so. You're to be tolerant of all of my problems. I am completely fine over here. Then you have the opposite people over here who's like, "Uh, no, the scripture says we can judge someone by their fruit and you're going to hell. You know that guy? We all know that guy. I'd like to point out that both of these approaches are probably incorrect. And tonight, I'm going to take a moment to break this down. I'm going to take this word judgment, and I want to break it into a negative connotation and a positive connotation, okay? I'm going to use the word judgment as the negative word, and then I'm going to use the word discernment as the positive word. So why is Jesus saying not to judge people? Is he saying don't judge anything that they do? Or is there a context to this? Is there a reason he's saying that? Well, there's a reason that he's saying this. It's because the culture that he's living in right now is influenced by the group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a group, they're a sect of Judaism 
who stress a high adherence to the law of Moses and to the prophets. So the Old Testament, they're looking at it and saying, we need to have a high, strict approach to this thing. Now, on the face of that, that's not bad. Because prior to this, you had the Babylonian invasion. Does anybody know that history? I'll just pretty much really recap real quick. In 586, which is about 580 years prior to Jesus, in 586 BC, uh, God had been tired of Israel continuing to live uh, opposite. They had spent hundreds of years seeking after other gods and going after things that God had restricted and his mercy ran out. And so what God does is he allows the nation, the kingdom of Babylon, to come down and attack Judah, which is the, the southern kingdom of Israel. They are defeated, and as a punishment, they're taken out of their land, and they're thrown. All the people are just divided into the empire of Babylon. And for 70 years, they are in captivity in Babylon. Well, then what we see is that God had promised after 70 years he would allow them to come back. So he allows the nation of Persia to come over here and kick the crap out of Babylon. And then Persia sends all the Jews back home. Well, during this 500-year time where they're expecting a Messiah to come, they want to get their heads right. They want to get their hearts right. So what they end up doing is they say, okay, all the problems that we had was that we decided to go after other gods, we gave our hearts to other gods. We did all of these idolatrous things. What do we need to do? Well, they decide that they're going to settle in on the scriptures. They're going to adhere to the law. And so we end up with this sect called the Pharisees who show up about the mid-100s BC, and they become the primary teachers of the law. Here's the problem, though, is as this develops they become very legalistic. So when they're looking at the law of Moses, they're not looking at the redemptive qualities that the law could bring. They're looking at the strictures of what the law is. They're saying, if you do this, sinner. If you do that, sinner. Have you ever watched that Parks and Rec kind of scenario? Have you ever watched that scene in Parks and Rec where there's this guy and he's from Venezuela and he comes over, you jaywalk, jail. You drink from the wrong drinking fountain, jail. You know, just everything you do, jail. It's just kind of this way of like, you do this, sinner. You're horrible person. You're out of the kingdom. This is the culture that these Jews are living in. This is the, uh, this is the feel that everyone's working through. The Pharisees would treat people very harshly. We saw a few chapters ago how the Pharisees attacked Jesus for hanging out with tax collectors. He calls Levi and says, hey, let me dine at your place. And he's like, why is Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus' response is, a doctor goes to people who are sick. He doesn't go to those who are healthy. I have come to call the sick, not those who think that they are righteous. This is Jesus' approach Jesus comes in, and it's antithetical to the Pharisees. He's come to present mercy. The Pharisees are living this life 
and they're looking at everyone as though they're irredeemable. They're looking at the prostitute. They're looking at the tax collector. They're looking at the sick and the lame. They're like, there's a sick person. And you know what? The reason you're sick is because you sinned or your father sinned. You're poor, you sinned or your parents sinned. There's a reason that you're in the condition. God punished you. And Jesus is coming and saying, this is not redeeming. This is not the lifestyle I want. Yes, you turned from the many gods, and yes, you turned to the scriptures, but you're missing the point of the scriptures. Jesus will say this. You look to the scriptures, you Pharisees, and you look to say that you have found eternal life in the scriptures. But if you looked at them closely, you would see that you would find me instead. This is the point that Jesus is trying to present. There's this portion of scripture, and we'll actually deal with this in full in a couple months when I get to it. But in chapter 7, there's this scene where this Pharisee invites Jesus to dinner. Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus out to dinner. Jesus comes over. And all of the protocol that you're supposed to go as a guest, uh, as a host, he does not do for Jesus. So Jesus comes in. He's going to go to the dinner banquet. And this woman comes in. And this woman is a woman of ill repute. And she comes and she bows herself behind him, goes to his feet, begins to cry at his feet, begins to weep. Her tears are now washing his dirty feet. She's taking her hair, wiping his feet with her hair, and she brought perfume. And she begins to pour this perfume on his feet. And this Pharisee thinks in his heart, he says to himself, if he's a prophet, he's got to know what kind of woman this is. You've got to know what this person is. She is a sinner. And Jesus, of course, reads his mail. He has this ability to read people's minds, which is pretty cool. And Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, I want to ask you a question. He says, okay, Lord, te teacher, what do you want to say? So, okay, you have these two people. This master gives 200 uh, pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to another. Both are unable to repay. So he cancels both their debts. Which one loves the master more? Pharisee says, the one who was relieved of the greater debt. And Jesus says, yes, of course. You see this woman? This woman has come in and she's adored me. You, the host of the place, you were supposed to bring a servant to wash my feet, but this woman has been washing my feet with her tears and wiping them with her, her hair. You were supposed to do these things for me. You were supposed to kiss me with a greeting, but she's kissing my feet. You were supposed to anoint my head with oil as a custom, but she brought perfume and has been anointing my feet this whole time. So I tell you, this woman's Sins are forgiven. And they're freaking out like, oh, how can this guy forgive sins? And he turns to this woman and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the way of Jesus. He notices her sins. He notices her broken condition. And yet her faith is what 
what draws his redemption. It's what draws him in to forgive her. See, we can do nothing to earn salvation. You and I, we can't be like the Pharisees who just follow after all these laws and we try to do all these nice things and we have all these regulations and if I just pray this amount of times a day or if I just do these good deeds, I'm gonna get to heaven. It's not that. It's on faith alone. It's on faith alone that you are saved. It's by faith alone that we see people drawn in. It's not anything you and I can earn. That's one of the major pieces that we need to be speaking. Most of us have probably been at this place where we believe this. This is our mantra. But just as something to challenge our thinking, you cannot earn this. You and I can't earn this relationship with the Lord. It's been given to us freely, and we gain it by having faith in that. And other people out there who are broken and hurting, they're never gonna earn God's forgiveness. It's a gift that he's given. And as we look at them, we are to extend mercy. Not to look at their broken condition, but to look at them as people that are supposed to inherit the kingdom of God. And there's a blessing to that. Jesus says, if you give, then it will return to you. If you give, it'll shake and stir and it'll pour over. We get a blessing from God when we extend mercy. Even when people don't deserve it, God recognizes that you extend mercy and he blesses you the way that God blesses you. My second point is discernment. Now, we're not supposed to judge in a condemning way. But we also need to be able to understand what is sin. Because we are not supposed to live in sin. There is a part of this life where we're not earning our salvation. But there is an element that we have to keep in tension. Is that those who are saved are meant to live a certain way. We reflect kingdom values. When we are saved, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And we are called to look and live a certain way way. Many of you probably know this story as well. There's a woman in John chapter 8, and this woman is caught in the act of adultery. It's like these perverts are just waiting, just like sitting outside the room, and like, ah, I got you, stupid, sick people. Anyway, they grab her, they bring her outside, and they bring her to before Jesus, who's preaching in the street, and they're like, we caught her. Law says to stone her, what do you say? He stoops in the ground, begins to write in the ground. And they're like, hey, we're talking to you. Are you going to give us an answer? What are we supposed to do with this woman? Stands up, says, okay. She deserves to be stoned. But let the person who has never sinned cast the first stone. And this strikes them down. Everyone in the, in the area is just like, oh, crud. They all begin to drop their stones to the point where it's just him and the woman. And he turns to the woman and he says, hey, where are your accusers? I don't know. They're all gone, Lord. Good. I don't accuse you or condemn you either. Go and sin no more. 
when we are saved and when we are given grace, we are also given a standard to live by. When we are called out of our darkness, we are called into light. And there is a lifestyle that we have to live. There's a requirement that we must live in the light. Because you and I are no longer children of darkness. We are now children of the light. We are not servants in the household of God. We are heirs. And because we are heirs, we are being tutored to become inheritors of the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about that? When a prince is born into a family, they're brought under and there's a tutor that raises that child, teaches them politics, teaches them strategy, teaches them science. He teaches them the normal things and said, hey, your responsibility is one day you're going to inherit this throne and you have to be wise enough. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us. We have to live a certain way because we are inheriting something like kings and queens. We will, in the next life, be doing something grander than anything we're doing now. And we are to live a certain way in this time because the kingdom is present. You and I are a part of the kingdom of God now. And yet, we will inherit something in the future. And so in this time that we have, we are to be developed and discipled and trained and a lifestyle is attached to that reality. As I said before, when you come to Christ, you are given the Holy Spirit. Paul says this the best, so I'm gonna read this real quickly. In Galatians chapter five, Paul says, so I say, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. So let's stop there for a moment. You and I have been given the Holy Spirit. But you and I are still in our sinful nature. These two things are at war with one another. They are against each other. And we are either going to yield to the spirit or we are going to yield to the enemy. Okay? So just catch that as I read the rest. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out good intentions. Skipping down to 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have done before, that anyone who lives this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are hard things. These are not easy things. Discernment 
And I need to contrast this because we're not to judge people who are outside of the kingdom. We're not to judge people in the sense that we condemn them to an eternity and we condemn them to unredeemability. But we are to have discernment to say we cannot live like that. We cannot accept that in the Lord's house. And when you and I sin, we're not here to browbeat you or to beat you up or to call you a sinner. We're here to call you back to repentance, back to a relationship with the Lord. You and I, when we sin, we separate ourselves from God's presence. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. This is something that I want to take very seriously for myself. And this is something that I do take very seriously for myself. There's a prayer that I pray twice a day, both in the morning and the evening. And I have it just so you can see it. This is something that I pray every day. It says, oh, merciful Father, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and what I have, but I, uh, what I'm, sorry, what I have done and what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. This is taken out of the Book of Common Prayer, and it's something that has transformed the way that I think about redemption, about repentance. I don't want to go a day outside of God's presence. I don't want to miss him. I don't want that disconnect. And there are sins that I do knowingly and there are sins that I do unknowingly. I hurt people without even knowing that I hurt people. And I want to be pure before the Lord and it's my heart not for me just to be pure but I'm hoping that this is your desire as well because I want us to experience God's kingdom at the end. I want you and I to share in that inheritance. That you and I, we are developed, we are mature, and we are going to rule and reign with Christ. That is the promise of Scripture. And my hope and desire is that you want that as much as I want that for you. That's my hope. Not just for you, but for Traverse City. I want Traverse City to experience the kingdom of God both already and what's to come. And we can do that together by being transformed by the Spirit, by allowing us to have a, dis a discernment of what is good and what is evil, avoiding evil. But in the same process of avoiding evil, we extend the mercy of God, which we're experiencing, to the world. God is extending mercy to us daily. And our role in this is to extend mercy to others who have hurt us, who continue to hurt us, who are broken. This is how we love our enemies, to go back to that old theme. We love our enemies by extending God's mercy. We overthrow evil by extending God's mercy. I can have our ministry team come down. Tonight, I want to reflect on just 
one thing. And if you could throw up that prayer one more time, Steve. Leaving tonight, I know many of you have heard this same message probably your whole life. Give forgiveness. Give and forgive. And if this is your thousandth time hearing that, sorry for beating that drum and kicking that dead horse. But if this is something that resonates in you, just take a moment while we worship. Allow this to do something inside of you. This reminder, even though it might be something you know, is always something good to reconnect with and to revitalize something that might have gone astray. So if you wouldn't mind, we're gonna take a moment to worship. I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna let the worship team do what they do. But I want the Lord to do something mighty in your life tonight in the week to come. And I want people to be impacted through you. That is my prayer. My greatest prayer is that through your life, somebody else feels that mercy of God. That through your actions, by your purity, you're drawing people to Jesus. And it starts with you getting your heart right. So Father, I thank you and I bless you. I honor you. And I thank you for the mercy that you bestow upon us. And I ask that you would continue to move in True North and in Traverse City and abroad. I bless your name. Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. To connect with us, be sure to visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. We hope to see you soon.